welcome to Cosmos Quizmist. I'm Rachel, your host from the Australian Science Media Centre. For those of you who don't know us at the OzSMC, we run Cymex, a website for journalists and the public to get the latest science news in plain English. Today, I'll be putting some of the best and brightest science journos from Cosmos to the test, quizzing them on some of the top science stories from this year. Let me introduce you to today's science quizzes, Jacinta Bowler, Matthew Aegis, and Evrim Yazgin. Uh, so how this works is I'll be giving each of you a question and you get first dibs on giving us the answer. If you can't, the others have a chance to step in and steal the points. And I can also be convinced to add some bonus points if you can give me some extra detail on some of the answers. So we'll get started with Matt, who I can see to my left. Who is the current federal science minister? That is uh, Ed Husick. Congratulations. Thanks. That is always an important thing to know as a science journalist. He's an MP from Western Sydney and his portfolio is Minister for Industry and Science. Point to center. Um, this year, the UN General Assembly adopted a historic resolution on July 29th declaring access to a clean, healthy, and sustainable environment was what? A human right. That is correct. A universal human right, which is a move that's supposed to help encourage countries to speed up their sustainability plans by better holding them accountable. I hope they do. And Evram, first question for you. A solid six months after the current global outbreak of monkeypox began, the World Health Organization last month finally decided to give the virus a new name. Can you tell me what the name they came up with is? I don't actually know this one. Uh, no, no idea. Uh, spider monkeypox. What? That, I, I, I wish it was the case. I wish it was spider monkeypox. Uh, can anyone jump in on this one, Matt? Mpox. Yep, that's the one. M it's- as in like the, the letter M. The letter M. Oh. Because they don't like to associate things with people or cultures or animals because of stigma. Yeah. So okay. I, I think I feel like, like so that's why COVID is not like the Wuhan flu, mm. which the media were calling it because that's where they, they felt it originated from or where it's believed to have originated from. But I don't know, like, Mpox. I mean, Mpox is like, well, it's just a shortening. We're taking an Anki and, and just I mean, we know what it's referring to, don't we? Yeah. So. I will actually give you a bonus point, Matt, for your explanation there um, because you've not only told me the name, but you've also told me why they bothered six months into an outbreak. So Mpox is the name, uh, but they're going to have a full year of referring to it as both Mpox and Monkeypox before they officially make the change uh, to avoid confusion. Not confusing at all. Not confusing at all. Matt, I believe we're up to your actual question. Um, For the past couple of years, Griffith University researchers have been working with Inangai traditional owners to study rock art along a 160-metre-long rock shelter in Queensland called Marawonga. Can you name what one of the main drawings they found along the cave depicted? So there's a few different answers, and I'll give you a point if you can come up with one of them. A kangaroo. There actually is not a kangaroo on the list. Um, I will give you a second guess, though, because it is pretty uh, pretty tricky to, to name one off the top of your head. Uh, what about a person or people, a human human being representation? 
That is correct. That is one on the list. Uh, so there is a human figure believed by elders to be an ancestral being known as Watanuri. So I'll give you a point for that. Uh, does anyone else want to have a guess or does anyone know some of the things that appear? There is one um, answer that is my favourite, that is one that you might see on uh, a graffiti wall today as well. Like genitalia? Like is it... <laughs> Is that what's on the wall? It absolutely equivalent. is. Yes. The, the male genitalia was the real, the one that really stood out. But there's also some star-like designs, some snake-like creatures, and some human feet, often with six or more toes. There's also a digging stick and some boomerangs. And some Aboriginal community members have said these are likely part of a Seven Sisters dreaming story told over time along the length of the shelter. Just into your question... Researchers from the University of Western Australia and Flinders University believe they found the largest known plant in the world at Shark Bay, Western Australia. What kind of plant is it? Okay, well, there was the massive lily pad, right, that they found and then realised was a different species. But that was definitely in England. That wasn't in Western Australia. Nope, it is not the lily pad. Oh, Matt looks like he's going in for the steel. I think it's a type of seagrass. That is correct. <laughs> the research team uh, was sampling shoots of seagrass stretching across 180 kilometres um, and they were generating a genetic footprint and they discovered that the, the, the genes were just the same. It was all from the same plant, which they believe is probably at least 4,500 years old. Everyone, what colour of genetically modified tomato was this year approved by the US Department of Agriculture? My friend Jacinta can attest to this. <laughs> it, I believe, was purple. And That's correct. This is a, a personal favourite story of, of Jacinta's uh, <laughs> and now mine. Is there any background information you can give us for a bonus point here? Something, something, antioxidants, something, something, <laughs> Australia may be next. I'm actually going to give you that. That's the, the key word, antioxidants, is what I was after. Tomato was engineered to have much higher levels of anthocyanins, uh, which give plants their purple colour and have antioxidant properties. So well done. Uh, when Jacinta was doing the fact finding, uh, I believe that that's called a tomato sauce. <laughs> that's a negative bonus point. <laughs> That's a negative. I'm just looking for bonus points so I can catch up. <laughs> get out. Get out. And for this question, I'm going to get you all to take turns explaining something sciencey mm. in a way a random person on the street would hopefully understand. What is a quantum computer? Matt, I'll get here to go first. Uh, it's a computer that is capable of processing a lot of information very, very well, very, very quickly, very, very effectively, such that it could make computations or calculations um, at a rate which is quite unprecedented to not only any computer that currently exists, but also like a standard human being. Thank you very much. Jacinta, do you want to have a crack at explaining what a quantum computer is? So in a regular computer, you have a thing called a byte. That is either a one or a zero. And that's basically how all information is processed. It's either ones or zeros. And you get lots of them in a string to be able to create 
anything that you do on a computer. However, qubits are not just one and zero. Think of them kind of like a sphere and it can be anywhere. It can point anywhere on that sphere, kind of like a 3D compass. And so what you can do with quantum computers is instead of just having ones and zeros, you can have it in any spot in that sphere. Um, that allows you to do incredible computations with a quantum computer that you could not do with a regular computer. The only problem with quantum computing is that it's quite difficult to get these qubits to sit and do the things that you want them to do. So that's why it's taken so long and taken so much money to be able to get quantum computing because it's difficult to get these qubits to do the things that you want them to do. All right. Thank you very much. Evram, do you want to have a crack? Well, I think Jacinta maybe has read one or two of my articles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't really add anything much more, but um, basically uh, you can have ones, zeros, or a mixture of one and zero, which allows you to have a whole extra sort of dimension scope of programming that you can do with quantum computers. One of the issues is that quantum computers, they don't yet work. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. Uh, the best quantum computers have only a few qubits. Um, the qubits themselves are usually made up of single atoms. But, you know, with more research, with more theoretical understanding, hopefully within the next couple of years or decades, uh, we will have functioning quantum computers that can do amazing things. A scientist described to me once that like the reason why it's taking so long to get this stuff to work is because computers and the, the actual... Um, stuff that you use to create a computer is quite like it, it helps with what you're trying to do with a computer. Like for example, um, uh, just like I think of a like green chipboard, right. That's actually quite easy to get from where you want to what you want to do. But quantum computing has nothing that's a material that's able to be used in the same way. So it makes it really complicated to be able to get the quantum computing to do what you want it to do. Yeah. All right. Well, I love the detail in your explanations. I think everyone took a, I guess, a different focus, which is amazing, especially Evram coming in with the, uh, with the third explanation, which is always a bit of a challenge. I think I will give the points to Jacinta. I think it was a, a very, um, a nice, clear, uh, concise thing that explains not just, I guess, what a quantum computer is able to do, but also a bit about how. Though I might give Evram a half point as well there, just because I think this the idea of an extra dimension of the ones and zeros is, I guess, the best way that I've heard it described, how it relates to the way that a normal computer works. Jacinta might be happy to hear this. This is a round that is about the Ig Nobel Prizes. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, what did they give as an award this year at the Ig Nobel Prizes, knowing that if you don't answer me something, uh, Jacinta is probably going to come in and steal. <laughs> <laughs> like a lump of coal or something. Real dud prize. It was not a lump of coal. Evram, I might ask if you have something to guess <laughs> because this is a special, special topic of interest for Jacinta. Yeah, for some reason... For some reason in my head, I've just got this image of someone handing a purple packet of crisps. Is that what was given? No, which okay. means that's a very a, a great image. Can I go now? Can I just show what it is? Then. Okay. So they were given a cup made out of paper that they had to print and then assemble themselves, and it was given off screen. 
So like they'd transfer it and then you'd pick it up off the screen. They were also given a 1 billion or 100 million or something Zimbabwean bill, which is the equivalent of like 100 bucks and it doesn't exist anymore as a currency. Nice. These are both correct. It was a $10 trillion bill from Zimbabwe. I went too uh, low. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd gone too high. Yes, the um, the Ig Nobel Prize, for those unfamiliar with the prizes, is, is something that aims to honour achievements that first make people laugh and then make them think. So I believe that must be um, what they're trying to do with their actual physical awards as well. Cinta, your Ig Nobel Prize-related question. I would like you to describe um, three of the winners at the 2022 Ig Nobel Prize ceremony. So what their research is without. I, I will only give you a point if you can describe three different types of research that won. Yeah, I've got this. So, okay, number one was a moose crash test dummy where it was a moose that you would crash a car into and that was to see how the car was damaged and how the p- people inside the car were damaged because obviously if you hit a moose, it's bad. Uh, another one was looking at... Oh, the Peace Prize was given for the person who was looking at um, when you should tell a lie and when you should tell the truth in gossip settings. And, oh, I don't know, I didn't actually write about this one in my article, but there was one about how ducks um, swim underwater, and that was the Physics Prize. And so I think it was, like, the mother duck and the baby ducks and how they, like, all swim in unison, and it's, it's really cute and lovely but also all really good science all of this is like good science it's just also fun science yes the uh the duckling story was about how ducklings are able to swim in formation um and yes these were all definitely three um prize winners at the ig Nobel prizes all right <laughs> we will move to see if Evram is able to answer this question without just into um getting the win. So of the 10 new Ig Nobel Prize winners this year, how many research teams included Australians? Three. Close. But no. Which is a clue for Matt. Higher or lower? (laughs) (laughs) I can't just give you the point. All right, fine. Um, I'm going to say two. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Got the steal. Back in the game. Yeah, you are correct with two, and it is a good thing that you asked that because it was uh, two of the um, the stories that Jacinta mentioned. So the um, the algorithm to help gossipers decide when to tell the truth and when to lie. Um, and it was actually a story about analysing what makes legal documents unnecessarily difficult to understand uh, was the other one that had an Australian on it. So experts are concerned ocean temperatures over the Great Barrier Reef at the moment will cause another mass bleaching event. Dating back to the first one in 1998, how many mass bleaching events have already been recorded along the reef? Uh, this is for Matt. Six. Correct. Yes. It is six. The first one was in 1998, and then there was 2002, 2016, 2017, 2020, and there was one earlier this year in 2022. That's so sad. Yes, to have one earlier this year, and then we're going around again in a La Nina year as well. Jacinta, your question. Um, what is the world's only seasonally venomous animal? Oh, that's really cool. I don't know. Seasonally venomous. Okay. So why would you need to be seasonally venomous? Because you come out 
only during certain seasons. Maybe it's like a, a mating thing. Platypus, because I know that platypus have spurs, so maybe they only do it during certain times of year. You are correct. It is the platypus. Yeah! <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Uh, does anyone have a crack? Want to have a crack at explaining why they are seasonally venomous? Do I get a bonus point for being more specific and saying that it's the male platypus because the females are not? <laughs> I'm interested if you can tell me why it is only the male platypus. Is it because of, like, it is mating, right? Like, assumedly they'd attack each other, like the men, the, the males would attack each other, and then the winner that doesn't get spurred might get the female. Is that right? That is correct. So I'm going to give half a bonus point to Jacinta and half a bonus point to Matt because he led us down this path. And, yes, so male platypuses have venom they use on their competition during mating season. Um, Some dogs have died from this platypus poison, um, but there have been no recorded human fatalities, though platypus venom can make you quite sick, I believe. So Evram, world-renowned concussion expert Dr. Paul McCrory had to step down as chair of the Influential Concussion in Sport group earlier this year. Why was that? Did he have a concussion? Did not have a concussion. (laughs) That's a brilliant guess. Um, Well, the Segway guy, the the guy who invented the Segway, rode a Segway off the cliff. I thought it might have been something along those. Off a cliff? Yeah. You've heard a segue off a cliff. Yeah. That's crazy. horrifying. Yeah. The concussion one, Matt is going to answer this better than me, so he's probably given the point, but it's because his research was found to be bad, right? Like all of, there was a bunch of research from the last however long, and they, they put a lot of money into it, but not a lot of results. And I think the result that they did get turned out to not be that helpful to um, players. For plagiarizing, I thought. Oh. Yes. Yeah, someone else's research, which was used in um, the formation of a major sports-related concussion policy for a very large and um, extravagantly rich, at least relatively speaking, sporting competition in this country. All right, I'm going to give both of these points to Matt um, because while there there are a lot of concerns around um, concussion research that that is. Um, I guess, involved in, in sport and the ones that Dr. Paul McCrory was involved in, it is the plagiarism that is, is what's, um, is what's caused him to have to step down as chair from, from the sport group. And in third place today, we have with 2.5 points, Evram. We've got a lot of half points because in 6.5, with 6.5 points in second place, we have Jacinta. He's doing it again. He's doing it again. Um, yep. He's coming yeah. in. He's, he's yeah. <laughs> we just we just gotta stare with him. <laughs> That's the creepiest thing. I don't like that at all. Uh, he got nine point five <gasps> in the end, Holy. which is the biggest tally that we've gotten so far. Which just goes to show that if you beg for enough points, if you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you, kids. Matt, for the second time, I believe, uh, you can accept this hat. Uh, Don't even need it now, mate. I've just got the glory. Just got the glory. <laughs> yes, well, this is why we, we hide upstairs. Um, 
So thanks for tuning in to Cosmos Quizness with the Australian Science Media Centre. I've been your host, Rachel. Um, thanks very much to the science journalist team from Cosmos Magazine for joining us today. Cosmos is Australia's science magazine, which supports the great work of the Royal Australian Institute, a not-for-profit bringing science to as many people as possible. This is one of five quizzes for this festive season. To catch up, you can visit the Cosmos website, cosmosmagazine.com, and search Christmas Quiz. Some of today's questions were taken from the OSSMC's Top 10 Science Stories and Top 10 Weird Science Stories of 2022. If you're curious about what made the list, visit our news portal, cymex.org. And if you'd like to know more about what the OSSMC does to help accurate science reporting across Australia, visit smc.org.au. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.